Hello and welcome to those vicar blokes. I'm Dave Coaches. I'm Howell a Nerdy Vicar. I've got a nerdy t-shirt on today. You have got a nerdy t-shirt on, yeah, I've seen it, I noticed it. Attack on Titan. Yeah. Got it from Premark yesterday. It's really good, isn't it? I got a Breaking Bad one upstairs as well. If you say so. What's wrong with that? If you think it's, I'd rather have my outfit than yours. Well, fair enough then. Black clergy shirt, short sleeve. Yeah. You know. Oh, well, you know. I'm only seeing you this morning. You're only in fancy dress. Yeah, but I'm only seeing you this morning, so I don't have to worry about. No, I suppose not. Yeah, so I just wanted to wear my new Attack on Titan. Show it off. Yeah, well, I can go to watch that actually, Attack on Titan. It's on Netflix. It's great anime. No, no such thing as a great anime. All right, so what have you been up to this weekend, Dave? Anything good? No. Nothing at all. Uh, cut the grass. Cut the grass. Yeah. Okay. So I had two two goes at cutting the grass because, um, I went and took the petrol mower out of the church shed. Yeah. And did a bit of it, and then it ran out of fuel, so I went to get fuel for it. And then when I pulled the start cord, it didn't retract. The spring had broke inside. Oh, I hate that. Um, so then other members of the church had to <clears throat> fix the mower. Um, and so then I borrowed it again yesterday once they'd had it fixed. So it was like I finished doing the grass. Bit of a disaster then, so, is uh, it? Yeah, it was yeah, a bit yeah. unfortunate. But. Yeah, I mean, busy, busy, busy this week, I suppose. I took my lad up to Birmingham on Saturday for to um, university, so that was good. So he went up there, had to drop him off, drop off all his stuff. Made me feel a bit old, really, to yeah. be fair. You know, that was all right. Well, no doubt. Yeah, and... Um, well, so I went into Bristol yesterday on the day off. That was all right. You know, went did you? To, what for a bit of shopping? Well, I went to Premark. That's where Let's I got get my the t-shirt, t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I went to um, Rough Trade. You know the record shop? No, you don't know Rough Trade, the record shop. No, it's the only t- the only good shop in Bristol. Where is it? It's um, you know, this can get another sort of like sort of promotion thing now, yeah. sponsorship, and. Um, you know, as you go down Broadmead and that, yeah, right, yeah, you go through Broadmead shopping centre and you go down where that new Lidl's is. Yeah, There's a new Lidl's. If you walk up that street, it's just down one of the streets down there. All right, okay. It's like a little record shop. It's got like a coffee shop in the back, so you can buy. Is it new? No, it's been there for ages. So they like advertise local bands and things like oh, that. I don't so go down to Broadmead much. So you can get I like go out to cribs for my shopping. Yeah, well, that's the only reason why we go down there really is because it's. It's like it's got like records you can't get other places. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I've got um I've got loads of records from there. I've got some tons of vinyl from there over the years. Right. Okay. I didn't buy any this time. She got some stuff but We got all our vinyl in the charity shops at Yate. <sighs> yeah, but what what do you get on the vinyl from them? I don't know. The missus buys it on vinyl, I don't. Oh right. Oh I listen to some I get on the Blooming streaming, don't I? But it don't sound the same, or it's not the same. You don't get the same sound, do you? Like, you know. well, no. But that's not the point, is it? So I'm out and about when I'm listening to, aren't I? And yeah, I suppose you're not really much listening to music. Yeah, we only listen to that sort of Coldplay and Normie stuff, don't know. So, you know. or I went Coldplay. We were gonna go for breakfast yesterday on my day off. Yeah. Um, into the Brewers Fair. And when we ate, and um the Concord one up at Shields Retail Park. Oh yeah. And when we got there they weren't doing breakfast and it was their last day. Yeah. But just as I was going in I could hear somebody in their van out driving by listening to Happy Hardcore. <laughs> uh, and uh, it reminded me of 
days gone by. <laughs> I, I should put that on my playlist, some happy icon. Do you know what's really sad, though, is uh, my nephews went to, uh, with Andrew a few months ago, they went to a rave in Bristol, right? Yeah. And it was busy. It was, oh, we're going to this thing called a rave. I was like, all right, yeah, what, what, what's that? Oh, well, there's this big shed, right, and they've got this massive sound system in it, and they play all this dance music and they just sell water and you just drink there and you drink all the water and you just dance all night. I'm like, really? All right, yeah. And they went, can I come? And they said, no. I said, well, uh, I've been to one before. And they were like, when did you go to one of them before? I went, oh, I don't know, 1993. <laughs> and they went like, what? And yeah. I was like, yeah. And then you listen to all their music that they had on. in this. It was exactly yeah. the same stuff that, I add. I don't think DJ Vibes and MC Lively are still about, but I'd be surprised. But I think they're still doing all the, all that stuff. Like even when they go to club nights and that, you, it's like in Bristol and that they have club nights, exactly the same stuff we had. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, it's really sad. They need they need to get something new and different. Well, I used to listen to it when I first passed my driving test in the car, and it's that sort of music that encourages you to drive far too fast. <laughs> <laughs> so my missus hates all the dance stuff but I was really into it in the 90s um, and I sort of rediscovered it a bit now so that's always good isn't it yeah so then what are we talking about today then we're talking about people who, who don't turn up for work yeah so that's in, interesting in the news in prisons yeah, yeah. Um, and we talk about we talked about the Bible a bit didn't we yeah about yeah. the exile yeah about Israel getting whacked yeah and my, f- I really enjoyed it, but you didn't. The um, fiery priest. The fiery yeah. priest is excellent. The violent priest. The, the violent priest with no self-control. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. Korean. See, that's what it is. You need to sort of broaden yourself yeah. out a bit. Yeah. Korean stuff. So brace yourself for the music. So, and Dave, what's in the in the news this weekend? In the new, well, I heard it on the way here actually because I was late and it was on the eleven o'clock news. Is the fact that um, eighty people, which represents forty percent of the workforce, didn't turn up to work in the prison the day that guy escaped? Well, that bloke he was under the van or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so they were short staffed by forty percent of their workforce. Wow, because they they didn't turn up for work. That's really scary. It is, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I just cannot believe that it was that bad. And you know, I walked by the job centre at Yate the other day, and I w- I looked in the window, but it wasn't for me. Don't worry, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> you're not, you're not that bad at, at <laughs> yeah. doing the podcast with. I'm looking you're for looking other for a job in the job. But I did notice that four of the adverts in the window were all for prison officers. Oh right, yeah. Um, so it it is obviously but it's a, a well-paid job. job. Yeah, but it was paying quite well. Yeah, Pay, it pays more than we're on. Oh yeah. Um, so um. But I did notice that 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 was the case. But I don't think this is a problem that's unique to that particular occupation. No. Well, you know, my lad, he's gone to uh, uni now. And before that, he wished to work in hospitality locally. Yeah. And they had terrible trouble uh, getting people to to work locally just in hospitality. Like, 
I know one Friday he came back from work and he was just like absolutely shattered. And I said, what's up with you? And he said, oh, well, what it was was uh, spoons in yay, right, at the close because they couldn't get the staff in on a Friday night. Oh, right. So they all went over to where he worked in Bolero. Yeah. And then ended up like kind of, you know, besieging the place basically because yeah. everybody wanted, you know, yeah. cheap food. But, but yeah. It's it, not cheap in there though. What, in Bolero? Yeah. Well, not as cheap as spoons. It's good. Yeah, but you're tight, though, aren't you? It's good, but it's not cheap. Well, it's nice, though. It's so, nice, right? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I quite like their breakfast. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. But that's what I mean. So it is a problem with keeping staff and getting staff across the board, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think... I was trying to work out why it is, and... And with my two lads, they seem to think that you've got to do a job that you enjoy. We're lucky, right? Because <laughs> yeah. we do a job that we enjoy. Yeah. But that's yeah, not yeah. what work's about. No, I, I think I think we're in the exception, really, because we've got a job that we enjoy doing. It's a vocation. There's a cost to that because we don't yeah. get paid uh, as much as... As as we were, as I was no. getting paid before by quite a margin, and although you get tied housing, that's a good and that's a mixed blessing, isn't it? You know, and of course, when you retire, you you you've got to find somewhere to live, haven't you? Because you don't get yeah, you know, sort of thing. Well, I went into it later than you, yeah. So, so I, and therefore, I'd already sorted some of that stuff out. Now that was my mistake, you see. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, but but I think that's the thing. We do something we enjoy. Or, or bring no, that's not we enjoy. I think it's something that that brings life to us. Yes, but I don't see why work has got to be the primary driver of meaning in your life. Yeah, I, I think I think that's where my mind goes is the fact that you know you you actually you go to work so as you can you can have a life and and do the things that you enjoy as a result of your work. Well, not through your work necessarily but it's not just that though it's not about you enjoying your work that you do right it's about your responsibility to your family to your children if you've got them to your wider family right and to the your community yeah it's actually about you being a productive member of the community and in doing so that's what builds that sense of responsibility we have a duty to work because if we don't work, then somebody else has got to provide for us. Now I know that that there's lots of reasons why people can't work. Yeah, but that's a completely yeah. different thing. Yeah, you know, um, coming from Aberdeen, there's lots of people who are given their left arm and right eye to get a job um, back in the day, but it's different now, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because of that sense of responsibility. Work, th- work is about responsibility, isn't yeah, it, for me, anyway? Yeah, I, I think it is. I think there are lots of people that say that, oh, people are, you know, keen or happy to, to, to live off benefits instead. Or, you know, um, I don't think that's necessarily true. There are people that are on it, benefits that, that need to be on the benefits for a whole host of reasons. It might be that there isn't enough work in the area they live in. It might be that, they, you know, they're they're not capable through disability or whatever you know of the type of work that's available locally yeah and and they're all good reasons um but i think it's not that that that, that really is the issue it's the fact that when you've got a job you're not committed to it in the way that you 
perhaps should be. And I, and I've got a bit of passage this running in my head, and I can't locate it, but I know it's Paul. But it's either Colossians or Ephesians, where it says, um, where, "Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it as if you do it um, for your master in heaven and not your masters on earth." Or some it's Colossians yeah. translations. Oh, I was yeah. right. Then, wasn't I? I knew yeah, it from the other. yeah. Um, and I think that's it. We don't remember why we do these things. So as long as as long as we've got enough money to live, we can have a day off here, there, and everywhere, and it doesn't matter what our sickness record looks like, because that's all right, because um, it's only me that suffers. But it's not, is it? It's not only you that suffers, because everybody else who works there is having to cover your work for you. Yeah. And, and then things like 80 of you deciding, it becomes cultural. It becomes an epidemic, in effect of of attitude yeah i think you i think yeah you're right that's the protestant work ethic that is isn't it you know and um obviously a little bit of an issue with that sometimes but i think it's, it, it is that thing where if you're working in a team you're and everybody works in a team because yeah. nobody unless you're a sole trader works and even if you're a sole trader you're letting down your customers yeah so if you're a plumber and you can't bother going all right you're letting down the guy whose toilet's blocked yeah so what what we're dealing with is this illusion that we are isolated individuals with no responsibility to anybody outside of ourselves and i think that whether you get paid you know if you're in work you have a responsibility to turn up and do your job because of your workmates who are with you. Yeah. And I think this is something, though, that we see culturally is something I've noticed going around different parts of the country is that if, you, if you've lived somewhere where there's a history of heavy industry, right, then there's a lot more camaraderie in uh, in the area because if you work in heavy industry you're reliant on your workmates to keep you safe. So if yeah. you're down the mine, right, and you've got someone behaving irresponsibly, that's a real problem because people will die. Yeah. And if you're down the mine or you're in a steelworks or you're in whatever you're doing, you need to work hard with the people around you. It's the same in agricultural industry as well in, in rural areas, is if you're working together with other people, then you're reliant on other people. So the worst thing you can do in those communities is betray people you work with. Yeah. If you do that sort of thing, if you betray somebody, you're untrustworthy, that's a massive problem. While I think in a more sort of corporate kind of um, culture that we have got now, that sort of sense of camaraderie is gone because the bonds that bind us together aren't as obvious. So if you don't pull your weight in the office or you're irresponsible in the office, no one's going to die, are they? No. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. It's not physical, is it? It's still there. You still have that responsibility, but it's a bit more hidden. So it... it, it it's not an immediate cost, is it? It's not that's an immediate the cost. Yeah, you, that's you, right. You can yeah, see yeah. the immediate costs and dangers in a lot of jobs, but you can't in others. But you would have thought you could in the in the prison service. Um, yeah, that's and, true. And, oh, I don't know. It didn't say that they were all out because they'd all had a, 
you know, they'd all eaten in the canteen the day before and they had some dodgy sort of fish or anything. So maybe that was the case. Maybe they had good, genuine reasons to not be in. But Or maybe as know. well they just stressed out, and that's the other thing. Is... Well, that's the thing that strikes me, because if the adverts are for the prison service in the in the job centre window, practically the only thing in the job centre window would then when you're short-staffed you bear the weight of other people not being there and so particularly if the service has been cut back and they think that to save money you can run it on less and less people and that puts more and more burden on the ones that are remaining then they do burn out then they then actually their their chances of actually genuinely being um mentally or physically unwell are higher. It's a vicious circle, isn't it? It is, yeah. Because they don't look at if we don't look after the staff, then the you see this in the NHS all the time as well. Like because my missus worked in the NHS for years, and if you don't look after the staff as much, and you cut back, then the people who remain there work harder. They burn out. They go on the sick because yeah. you know they they they're all burned out, and then that puts even more pressure on the system, and then the whole thing collapses. Yeah. But they do have really strict. Um, sickness uh, provision in the public sector now, though. I know when my missus uh, worked for the NHS, uh, if she was ill or something, she had to phone up to say, oh, I'm ill, like you do, you phone yeah. sick, yeah? And then they'd ring her back to say, oh, how are you and that, right? And they'd phone her every day to say, like, are you coming in today? How are you? And all that yeah. sort of thing, right? And if you had more than three instances of sickness in a year right you had to go and see hr uh right okay so it's not do you see what i mean this yeah. this um, that idea that oh it's the public sector oh they just get away with murder well, yeah i don't that's think that's not the true. case no besides which actually most of our prisons aren't technically in the public sector now anywhere they? no they're all so by private security firms um apart from those that have been taken back into the public control yeah um but I think that puts more pressure on you as well. Because I know, like, it was a bit strange where you she say things like, "Oh, well, I've had to, a day off now because I had the flu like six months ago, but I'm not really feeling up to going into work today. But I better go in because the thing is, if I take today off, then I might get over my free, and then I have to go and see HR." Yeah, but see, I. But that's not good, is it? I never used to get paid for sick when I was at the bus company. Didn't it? If you you didn't get paid for the first three days of sickness, it changed as part of a pay deal after. So as you could have one sickness each year, then you had to go twelve months without one if you want to get paid. But because you didn't get paid, I never went sick, so I went in with the flu. In fact, I think I went in with swine flu when swine flu was a thing. (laughs) Uh, That's a bit dodgy. Driving a bus. Well, the person who took on the bus after me (laughs) said to me, "Oh." I caught that blooming swine flu off you that you had. I said, well, I didn't think I had swine flu. They said, well, I got tested and I had swine flu. So you were a COVID idiot before it was a thing. Yeah. You were a COVID idiot. There we are. You weren't wearing the mask and social distancing. Well, no, well, we didn't then, did we? It's swine flu. And and I couldn't afford to not have those that pay at the time. You know, I was living on the breadline. Yeah, Um, And so I couldn't afford to miss three days' pay. And so, basically, if I was ill or not, I had to go in. Um, but, and if once they bought in the fact that you could go sick once a year, if I was ill, I'd I'd go ill. But then, of course, I might be more ill four months later, and I'd still be going in. Yeah, that's good. Couldn't afford to lose it. Just couldn't afford it. But I think, from a Christian perspective, thinking about this, what we've got here is a situation where if you don't look after people, 
then these sorts of things happen. Yeah. And if we don't look after your staff and we don't realise we have responsibilities and look after each other in a community, then everything falls apart. Yeah. Which is exactly what we've been talking about in our Bible series of we are created to be in community and when we disrupt that community, then everything falls apart. Yeah. And that's what the story of um, the Old Testament is so far, is how we've ended up in those situations time and time again, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Because we delude ourselves at the minute by thinking that we're isolated individuals who can have our own moral code and do what we want, but that's just stupid. Yeah. Because it's obviously not true. Because it's that thing where I've said to people before as a as an exercise, how many people does it take to switch on a light? And they go, well, it's just one person, you just flick a switch. And you're like, no. Nah. How many people have to mine the you know the coal to make the electric or the yeah. gas or whatever it is, you know, and all these sorts of other things? We're so interdependent on each other in our society, yeah. but it's all hidden. We take everything for granted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I no. can make your light work. I can flick flick the switch. Yeah, but only if you've got an electric supply to it. Exactly, which means you need an electrician to wire it first. Exactly. Yeah, and everything else, like yeah, everything absolutely. Else. You know, and it's like water comes in the pipe. If if we had to take water from a well like we had to do 100 years ago, then we'd understand the value of that. But we don't understand the value of things now. No, that's very true. Because everything's hidden, you know. Right, so that's the that's the news for this week. That was a pretty good one, that was, Dave. Yeah, you interesting. Know, that was interesting. I was late, or I wouldn't have heard it on the way here. Yeah, that's all right. So next time we're talking about um, the exile and uh, the Jewish people getting whacked uh, by the Babylonians. So thanks for listening to those Vicar Blokes. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to. Subscribe to us on Substack, Google, Spotify. Well, I went back and looked at the comments on Substack. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't get in before it, didn't let me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you've got the the handle for those yeah, Vicar Blokes. Yeah. So I'm now in there as Dave Coaches. So I'll try and keep an eye on it. And if you don't tell me there's comments, I'll still see them. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah. We've answered some of those comments. Yeah, keep so. on commenting on the Substack. Yeah. Um, it's been quite interesting, really, because like sometimes we get some nice comments. We say we're dead good. Other times you get comments. Uh, not with, many of those, though, is there? Not many of those, no, I've got to be honest. But that's okay. But it's good to get a bit of feedback. And, and, and actually, sometimes we're wrong, aren't we? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and if you read the comments, basically, that's what the comments are going to be now, is us being wrong and saying, oh, sorry, we were wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a litany of apologies. So please um, comment on it and subscribe to us. And uh, off you go. Dave Coach's Bible Bus Trip.
Right, so we're on to uh, Dave's Bible bus trip, isn't it? Dave Coach's yeah. Bible bus trip. We're on about um, something called the Exile. Now, loads of people don't know about the Exile, but it is the most well, important. Well, it's two exiles, aren't they? Well, so we're on the second exile now because they were exiled to Egypt before. Yeah, yeah. And we've covered that because that was Moses that brought them out of exile. That's it. Into the promised land. This is when they were exiled from the promised land. To well, Babylon. basically, it got nicked. It got nicked, yeah. 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 So, but it's, it's it, probably a bit like the Exodus. If, the best way to think about this is like kind of two bookends. So the beginning of the state of Israel or the people of Israel is the Exodus, isn't it? That's when yeah. they formed into a nation. And then last time we talked about them having a king and having a, a Jewish monarchy, right? Yeah. yeah. And all that sort of thing. And basically, the deal was with Moses, if you remember in Mount Sinai, was you keep the law, right? And then for you can have the land. Yeah. If you can have the land, and if you keep the law, everything will be all right. If you break the law, there'll be a massive problem. Yeah. Right? And the whole story of the Old Testament is the Jewish people never keep the law. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, they, end of the bus journey. There we are. That's the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've so reached God, the terminus. God makes the covenant with the people of Israel, and the people of Israel never keep the covenant. Basically, but there's a wonderful prophet. It's a bit of a diversion, really. But there's a wonderful prophet from around this time called uh, Hosea, and Hosea is told uh, to demonstrate how Israel are behaving by marrying a prostitute. Yeah. And what that's about really is saying that, you know, that, and you, you get this a lot in the Old Testament where the people of Israel are called whores and whoring and all that sort of thing. Yeah, the whore of Babylon. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. But that isn't actually about sex and things like that. What it's actually about is the way in which the people of Israel are unfaithful to this covenant in the same way that Hosea's wife was unfaithful to him in their covenant of their marriage. So they're using that as an analogy of, of how the Israelites behaved. So what happens is... It always comes back down to a sexualized analogy, though, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah, it's weird that. Well, what, it's what? like it's the only thing that humanity can understand is sex. Well, it is kind of a bit basic, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. It's, it's an analogy that we can all understand. You know, oh, these people are too dense to understand it. I know, let's talk about something they know a bit more about. Well, yeah... Well, I think as well, it's a visceral thing, isn't it? I think that um, that sort of betrayal in a marriage, right, or in a relationship, right, in a, in a in a partnership like that, is a different type of betrayal to everything else, isn't it? Because it's an embodied betrayal. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it is, and I think that's why why we often look in marriage as that being the biggest betrayal. Um, and we're like, oh, they've broken their vows. But there are loads of ways that you can break your vows. But that's the the most it's embodied, easily it? understood one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's visceral as well. So you know, it's something that people would understand is that they would understand that's a bad thing because they wouldn't like it happening to them. And you know, adultery is as old as humanity, isn't it? So, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not like everybody kept their wedding vows until nineteen sixty four. You know, it's kind of yeah. That's a bit ridiculous. But yeah, so basically, all the way through the Book of Kings, and uh, we have various kings we talked about last time, which were mostly, some were good, most were rubbish. And the prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah 
kept on saying to the kings, stop it. Don't behave like this. Don't run after these other gods like uh, Baal and Molech and all yeah. of them. Don't do those sorts of things. Live, um, look after the poor. Treat people with justice and fairness. Otherwise, you will become slaves again. And they never listened because they thought that they could be clever politically and get around things and the other gods would save them. But in the end, what happened was um, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, comes in and just destroys them. Yeah. You know, that's what happens. So to kind of help us understand um, it politically, Dave, um, you're old enough to remember West Germany, aren't you? Don't pretend you're not old enough to remember that. Well, not not really with any detail, no. I remember the fall of the wall, but I don't remember anything pre that, which which is what puts that might actually make you a whole generation above me. What? Yeah, I, even though you're not that much older. Because that's one of the defining generation characteristics for All right. people in Europe is whether or not they remember the Berlin Wall coming so, down. And so I only have a vague memory of it. That probably means we are just about the same generation. Oh, right. Okay. You just look a lot older than me. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, it's all to do with the lack of air, isn't it, really? But yeah, okay. But you are aware that there was a place called West Germany. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. Okay, right. In the To the extent that, yeah, they used to compete in the football world cup is that yeah they did yeah. yeah right yeah now do you remember the cold war do you remember there was a thing called the cold well, war I, I, yeah i'm aware of it but, right okay. but no but putting detail on it is is narrower right okay well anyway so in the cold war you had the americans no right yeah and us yeah and all of western europe yeah and then you had soviet union yeah and all of them and right in the middle is a tiny little country called West Germany. Yeah. Right? And basically, that's on the forefront of the war that could have happened. Yeah. Right? So if the Russians were going to invade, right, America, they'd have to go through West Germany, wouldn't they? Yeah. Because he was right next door. Right. Now, Israel is exactly like West Germany in the uh, first book of Kings. You've got two superpowers. You've got Egypt yeah. and Babylon. Yeah. But in order to get to Egypt, the Babylonians have to go through um, Israel. Yeah. And it's a little tiny state. Yeah. Very- and that's the problem it always had, though, wasn't it? Not only for the Babylonians, but but throughout its whole history is the fact that it was on a on a route that was always... Surrounded by superpowers, exactly. Um, that always wanted authority over those that you know. Yeah, it's like Poland, isn't it? Yeah, it's Poland yeah. in the Second World War, isn't it? Yeah, nobody really, you know, in order to get to Russia, you got to go through Poland. It's a buffer state, or um, Belgium, which was created as a buffer state to keep the Germans and the French apart. So yeah. it's kind of like you know. It was ever thus. So God chooses his people to be the people, not in the powerful superpower, but in the weak, pathetic, in-between country, Yeah, which is going to get squashed at any time, either by the Egyptians or the Babylonians. Yeah. 
And what the kings did before the exile was uh, before the Babylonians got them, they were always trying to play off the Egyptians and the Babylonians against each other so they could actually kind of curry favour with each one of them. Yeah. That's basically what they did. And they thought through their own cleverness and through worshipping other gods that they could kind of be saved. But they weren't. No. So if we try and think about how devastating this event was for the people of Israel. Um, let's have a think about it. What's the most sacred building in the UK for most people? The most sacred building in the UK? Well, I'd like to go for somewhere like Westminster Abbey or St Paul's Cathedral. I'm not sure that's true. I think it might be um, Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace, right? Or yeah. um, Broadmead Shopping Centre. No, Broadmead Shopping. <laughs> Broadmead Shopping. The place is a right dive. I was there the other day. Yeah, not Broadmead Shopping. Uh, no, Center. maybe no, not. No, it's a right Malik dive. Malik Causeway. Because no. that's the thing, isn't it? That's the <laughs> thing. Malik because what we've done is, I naturally go for the religious places. Yeah. Because that's the thing that strikes me as what appeals to me. Yeah. Um, other people might be royalists and might go for Buckhouse for Buckingham Palace, yeah. and then. But a lot of people are just into the commercial side of things. So Principality it, Stadium, might maybe, go for that. Yeah, 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 maybe. Um, but you know, it depends. I don't know that there's a unified consensus on what the most important building is. Now that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because there isn't actually. If you were in ancient Judaism, there would be the temple. Would be. Yeah. Buckhouse, Westminster Abbey, and so it's the seat of both um, so spiritual and temporal power. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you would put you would have put Westminster as as because because the three things are close together, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You've got yeah, the yeah. royalty, you've got the parliament, you've got you've got the church. Yeah, all in quite a small. Area really, just fifteen minutes walk around the lot, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, yeah. So that would have been considered to be the pinnacle of it all. That could but be. But now, the... probably, it's Oxford Street. Maybe, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, just yeah. to know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not no, enough no. into shopping to know. Well, no, you're too tight for that. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so if we imagine this event where the Babylonians uh, take the people of Israel into exile. What they do beforehand, and this this is referenced all the way through the Psalms, all the way through um, even the books of Kings, because it kind of you, it kind of prefigures it, doesn't it? You can see yeah. that it's coming, you can feel it coming, and basically well, Amos gives the the it's coming, doesn't he? He does, yeah, Amos, you does. know, because he, he starts with look at them people over there, they're really bad. It's it's going to happen to them, and look, and it gets ever closer until it's like, and now look at yourselves, and you're really bad, and it's going to happen to you. Yeah, um, that's he builds right. it, doesn't he? He builds attention to Amos. He does, yeah, he does. So really, the equivalent for us to understand what happens at the end of the second book of Kings is if, say, the Germans came into the UK in nineteen forty in nineteen forty, right? took over London, right? Yeah. And they didn't just take over London. What they did, they came into London and then they got bulldozers and they bulldozed uh, Westminster Abbey. Yeah. 
because that's what they did. They didn't just burn down the temple. They completely leveled it, didn't they? Right? The Babylonians and the royal palace and everything. They completely destroyed Jerusalem, right? And people literally then were living in ruins after that. So if we imagine if the Germans in the Second World War came over, leveled Buckingham Palace, killed the king, leveled um, the parliament, leveled um, Westminster Abbey, then there was nothing left. And then you have the question, and I think you've opened something up, which is really interesting you, Dave. You have the question, who are we? Yeah. If we're the Israelites and all those central buildings and central area which gives us meaning and tells us who we are are destroyed, how can we worship God? How can we be who we are if but, we haven't got a temple? It's like the Boney M song. But, but it does it does it not feel like God has let you down when that's the case. They wanted God to give them the protection Mm. um, and then they've not had the protection in the way that they perceive they should have. Well, that's the the story, isn't it? That's what they're saying all the time is that um, we were supposed to be looked after by God and he obviously hasn't because everything's been destroyed. But what they they needed to realise is that God isn't like that in the sense that God had told them if you keep the law, then it'll be okay. Yeah. But this has happened because you kind of brought it on yourselves. That's the message of the exile, isn't it? Yeah. Is is the, you've done your leaders have done this to you, and I've been telling you for six hundred years to change your ways, and you haven't listened to me. So now you can. I'll just leave you on your own for a bit and see how you like it. It's not like he warned them once or twice. He warned them for hundreds of years, and he let them off hundreds of times. Yeah, but but I don't believe that God does just desert them and leave them to it. Why is that then? Um, because I believe that God continues to try and reach out to us to 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 get us to follow his ways so as that life will be better. Well, that's next But because... Week. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, but what they did is, as a result of what happened, they turned their backs on God. I don't believe that God turned his back on them. Well, they turned their back on God, which is why this happened, because they, they disregarded everything that the prophets had told them. And that's the big story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then this happens where the temple and Jerusalem are destroyed. Um, but next week we'll talk about God's response to that with the prophets like Daniel and Ezekiel yeah. and things like that who were in exile. But I think sometimes is it's that sense where, you know, you think, I suppose a bit like my lad going to university now, right, is he's not safe there because he can do whatever he wants, isn't it? I can't control him because he's not you. He's in Birmingham, isn't he? So I've got to trust him that he's going to be sensible, right? Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So I've got to let him go and trust him as a dad to behave himself and be sensible. I can't keep him safe all the time. Otherwise, if I kept him safe all the time, 
I would actually control him and he would live in tyranny, wouldn't he? Well, yeah, and you'd have failed as a parent, wouldn't you? Exactly. Um, but that's the that's the story of COVID and everything else, is where people say that we don't like God because he's got to keep us safe. We tried to keep everyone safe in COVID and we created tyranny, didn't we? Yeah. So you can't... You, God, in a sense, has got to let us go sometimes. Like, I've had to let my lad go. And yeah, but that's exactly what I'm saying. So, so, so you've had to let your your lad go, and he's gone. Yeah, and but you haven't turned your back on him. No, and, and so therefore, if at any point he decides that he's gonna turn and seek your wisdom, <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If he just like you can't laugh at that, you can't go seek your way out. Oh, he might, he might. You Sorry. never know. He might. Anyway, so at the point it's unlikely, it, but yeah, he might. At yeah. the point that he turns and seeks your wisdom, you're there for him to to share that wisdom with him. Yeah, to give him the advice should he ask for it. Yeah, but um, I think that's the thing, though, is that is that's the story of next week is where he isn't a total abandonment. But it's funny though, isn't it? Because. Because when he lived in your house, there were there were rules and laws that are followed in the house that make living in community work. Yeah. At least I assume there were, because yeah, yeah, your yeah, house yeah. doesn't strike me as chaos. No, no, no. Only when I come yeah. round on a Friday. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So, so there were rules and laws that are to be followed, um, and and he's probably going to be without those at least for the next few weeks while he's settling into a new environment. Yeah, he needs to sort out um, his own rules now, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to make up his and he, own. And he might decide that he's got better rules and laws, and he might soon find out that they don't necessarily work as well. No, that's right. I wonder yeah. if he'll still listen now he's moved away. He might do. I don't think... Yeah, yeah he know. might do. You never know, innit? That'd be quite funny, actually. Well, you'll find out, because he'll send you a message saying, don't talk about me on the podcast. Right? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you going to say about him moving yeah. away. I'm not going to say about anything else he's done. Um, but it's all good stuff. Um, but yeah, but I think that's the thing is what the Book of Kings and the Exiles show is that God is eternally, not eternally, but he is infinitely patient. But at the end of the day, we can push it so far that everything can collapse. And maybe there's something in what you're saying there is the thing that's hardest for the people of Israel we see in the Bible is their loss of the sense of who they are and their identity. Yeah. Is it's not that they've lost their land physically. It's not as though they lost their money. It's not as if they lost their freedom even. They've lost who they are as a people. Yeah. Because everything that made them Israel is taken from them. And then they've got to reimagine what it is to be Israel in exile. It's yeah. that um, Boney M song, By the Rivers of Babylon, as we sat down and we remember Zion, which mm. isn't a Boney M song. It's actually a, a psalm, isn't it? By the rivers of Babylon. Yeah, yeah, but they had a hit out of it. Yeah, so, it's good. Know. I like Boney yeah. M. Right, yeah. But that's the thing. But I think it's something what you said when you talked about what's the equivalent today in our society is we don't have one because maybe we're going through a different type of exile, which is self-imposed, which is a kind of cultural exile. Yeah. Where we've systematically, not physically destroyed buildings or people or things like that. But we've made them of less value. We're forgetting who we are as human beings and as a nation. We've decided that 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 everything about Britain is rubbish, and 
everything is bad and we have to forget everything from the past because everything in the past is bad and awful and we've got to do something different but they don't do anything different they just get depressed and i think that's a similar sort of thing yeah i don't know really it's I don't know that that national pride is the same as it was, but I think people still have it. I think, and I, I think we've lost our direction in what that means. I don't think it's about national pride. I think it's a different thing to national pride. It's not about like being proud of it. It's about who are we as the Welsh people. Like if you asked a Welsh person that, they'd be able to give some kind of yeah. discernible answer, right? Yeah. Um. But also as well, it's about our culture, who we are, our heritage, where we're going, what we believe, yeah. what is the purpose of life, what are we here for, what is responsibility, all those yeah. questions. And maybe that sickness thing we talked about in the news yeah. is a consequence of throwing away um, everything that was given to us. Yeah. Maybe. It's a bit dark. Could be. Part, it? it is a little bit. A bit of a dark mood. Well, next time we'll be talking about some happier things where we talk about um, the prophets in exile who are, who are um, Daniel and Ezekiel and a few other ones from the minor prophets and talk about how. That's got... minor as in less, not ones who dug for coal or tin. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah. There's one of them as well. Well, we'll talk about how uh, God calls the people back from exile and uh, they rebuild um, Jerusalem and uh, rebuild everything. So he hasn't abandoned them. Um, Not yet, anyway. You're listening to those Vicar Blokes. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to leave us some comments on the Substack, um, or and rate us and like, subscribe, all of that stuff. And don't forget the other ones as well. We've got um, the Connection podcast as well that you can connect up to, which is uh, across Froomside and uh, and Yate. And what's what's Ben's one called? Now? Homilia. Homilia. He's written that in Greek, haven't he? Yes. Yeah. See, uh, did he do Greek in college? I, I I guess he must have. We all had to do some, didn't we? To some degree. I did Greek. I yeah. did baby Greek. I did proper Greek. Yeah, oh, well, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. you're a keener, aren't you? I'm not a keener. I was just you're under a keener. Th- I was just under thirty. Yeah. Anyway. So I had to. Uh, so, uh, no. yeah, so was he? Um, so-, <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's his homilettes as he calls them from midweek and his sermon scripts from the weekends and yeah it's quite good quite good um yeah so howl didn't set me an anime to watch um <laughs> this week he sent me a a, a thing called the Fiery Priest, and it's Korean, and it's on Netflix. And, um, <laughs> and I was watching it thinking perhaps an anime would have been better. I watched um, it and I thought, <laughs> Mrs. Turn around, she said, she was Dave's going to hate this. Yeah, well, <laughs> she's not wrong. Um, but brilliant. actually, there's loads brilliant. of talking points in it. 
I only watched the first episode. Um, I don't know how many there are. There's lots more than one. Um, it's 20. 20 episodes. 20? 20 episodes. Yeah, I'm not watching them. Um, but basically, there's a, a priest who... Uh, somebody gets killed to start with, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so he's got kung fu, hasn't he? He wants to. Uh, he's he's like Jackie Chan, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He wants to avenge the killing of this person and sort out who's done it. And and basically, he's a priest who turns violent. Yeah, and and he beats everybody up. Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, and then, but not for no reason, though. No, he's got a really bad temper. I mean, he's got a really bad temper. Yeah. He's trying to control his temper. Not very well. Not very well. He's no. not trying very hard. But he's got some really good kung fu moves. The fruits like of the so. spirit, self control, is not one that he possesses. No, not really. I don't think he'd get through the selection criteria. To be no, honest. I don't think he would. No. But, but he's anyway. He gets yeah. in trouble, doesn't he? He does. And he sort of basically gets the sack and gets sent back to Korean equivalent of Murfield. Yeah, he does. He goes back to his mentor, who's yeah. a very calm person. So yeah. to give the proper context is what happened was he's in this, uh, he's in Seoul, in this district of Seoul, and this guy is doing a traditional exorcism in like Korean priest outfit, like traditional priesthood outfit. So it's quite a funny sort of uh, situation there with that, where he's trying to exercise this person, yeah. but it's fake. So the guy's pretending to be possessed, so that then he can exercise him, and then all the villi- all the people in the town will give this bloke money for yeah. for performing this exorcism. So he turns up with his sort of Catholic exorcism kit, and then he convinces through violence this bloke that he isn't possessed at all. And um, that it was all a scam, basically, yeah. isn't it? And then what he does, he goes and takes on the local mafia by beating them all up to stop them uh, ripping off local people, isn't it? Yeah. And then he puts the guy in hospital. And he puts the guy in hospital, doesn't he? And then he gets arrested by the police. Yeah. Doesn't he? And the police are all corrupt, aren't they? Yeah. And then he goes to see his mentor, Um but his mentor's got the same problem in his part of Korea, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, yeah, but it, on the on the... Subtitles. It says um, a city with no crime, but that's basically because all of the criminals are linked in with the police. Yeah, it's all a lie. Really isn't very, it? It's very um, um, line of duty. He lives in a world of lies, doesn't he? Because the police are corrupt, the judiciary is corrupt, and he's basically trying to take on the corruption. But he's doing it in a fiery priest way. Yeah, by losing his temper and doing kung fu, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So what did you make of it then? Did, I well, you, yeah, but it was, you missed it, the bit about him being not very nice, generally. No, he's not, no. Because he's really horrible over dinner, isn't he, when he's yeah. in the thing. And he, <laughs> he really does. offends the people. And then he, he he gets up in the... Well, he doesn't. He preaches from behind the altar. Yeah, he does, which yeah. Which is worse as far as I'm concerned. Oh, but, right, yeah, okay. I don't mind preaching from behind the altar. But, church, but you're there and you've got to show some integrity. He throws him out for eating... Eating bread. Chocolate bread. Something like that. This guy's eating like, chocolate bread or in mass. Or bread or something. <laughs> and so he throws him out. <laughs> that made bed. me laugh because he was <laughs> pushing on the door. Pushing on the... And he said, no, you got to pull it. But it's, it, it, it is a very tongue-in-cheek show. It's a joke yeah. show, isn't it? It's not a serious show. It's not a serious show, but I was a bit disappointed that he then preached his sermon on... on you know, forgiving others and going round and saying sorry, and uh, and you kind of think, yeah, when are you going to say sorry to those people you offended last night over dinner? All the other and, priests, but that like... doesn't matter to him. No, 
Um, and then you've got that woman who's obsessed with him. Oh, the lawyer woman. Yeah, yeah. he's such a handsome man. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's obsessed. It's with like him. the thought notes on the subtitles are really <laughs> funny. But um, and it's that policeman who walks around with a big sash and says he's going to take vengeance. Yeah, and gets beaten up by the mob. It's really stupid, really, isn't it? But so, what do you think about the talking points? Then there are some really interesting ideas in it. Well. I think, I think for me, most of the talking points came down to about what is priesthood all about, because right. he portrayed it so badly. I don't know if he did though. Carry on saying saying well, he portrayed I, it so badly. I suppose in the sense that he did show no self control. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and he lacked the integrity to preach a way that he he lived out himself. Yeah, but he yeah. did stand up for justice really hard. I did think, oh, this links in with the five marks of mission, and you know, um, stand up, stand against injustice in all its forms. I thought well, he's he's pretty good at that. He is, but yeah. He's not quite going about it in the way that might be sensible. Maybe not, but he had a very muscular priesthood, didn't he? Oh, he was a very handsome man. Now, what I mean by that is, <laughs> he it was. I think sometimes is. There's lots of aspects of priesthood, right? And he failed at a lot of them. But one he didn't fail at was actually standing up for the weak. Yeah. And, you know, fighting for, for yeah, absolutely. people. And the intention within him that was causing the uh, anger was actually, in a sense, a righteous anger. Because he, was against, he was angry because the government was corrupt, the police were corrupt, and the weak were being persecuted yeah. by the mob. And that's why he was angry. And I think we're very uncomfortable in the church with that sort of muscular Christianity because it's not nice. But that's the Christianity we see quite a lot from Jesus. Jesus isn't a nice bloke. Don't I don't think he ever physically beat anybody up. He did whip the uh, people out of the temple. The money changes out of the temple. He physically removed the money changes out of the temple with a whip. Yeah, but I don't think that. Yeah, all right, maybe. He, yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he did, but that doesn't and necessarily that's what mean his that death. he whipped them. No, no, but he, he but, frightened you know, them enough to get them out, yeah. didn't he? And that's one of the reasons that caused his and death. He did throw the tables over and all the yeah. rest of it. Yeah, yeah, okay. And that's one of the things that caused his death because the the Pharisees were not happy because they were losing money. Well, yeah. One of the big that was one of the catalysts. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and he isn't nice. Oh, I know it depends which gospel you read anyway, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it does. But because that in one of them, and I can't remember which, John? Oh, John, yeah, yeah. It's John. in the first year of his ministry. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Not in the not in the. But final that's not year. told chronologically, John, is it? So No, but yeah. it still gives it still gives that impression that it was much earlier in his ministry and that it was a much later return to Jerusalem mm. that But he does get cross with people. But then maybe they disliked him for a long time. Mm. And the longer you got to dislike somebody, the greater that dislike could be. Yeah, but he, he does get cross with people, doesn't he? He does. And I think sometimes Sometimes we can use patience as an excuse for inaction. Yeah? Yeah, I think we can. 
Someone at the door, so I'm going to let you answer that while I get the door. Let you think about that while I get the door. So it's just a delivery not for me. For oh, right. I never get deliveries. That's what it was. So what do you reckon then, Dave? I was saying that sometimes we can use patience as a way of being cowardly. I think we can put things off um, because we try to be nice and non-offensive. And I think you're right. That is not following the example of Christ. He was forthright in what he did. So maybe if we look at the fiery priest as a as a metaphorical thing as opposed to an actual out-and-out violence thing, um, <laughs> then maybe that element of him was more Christ-like than most of us are. Well, beating up the mob is a is a Christ is is to to save the innocent is a Christ-like thing. To yeah, do. and we got that. Um, that thing from um, Archbishop Justin Welby um, a number of years ago now, where he he came out and said, "What I want to do is put Wonga out of business." Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, and, yeah. That, and you know, basically that's that's you know, I, I wanted to end extortion of the poor. Yeah, uh, and and that's the right thing to do. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, that's right. So that's the thing is is what we do. Sometimes one of the temptations, I think, for priests and for Christians, I think in general, is to go for niceness. Yeah. And niceness is not Christianity. Being meek and mild is not Christianity. No, maybe. We've, we've, well, I don't know. We're, we're uncomfortable they, with it. They'll know. Th- They'll know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. But you can show love in lots of different ways. So I would say that one of the most important ways that we've shown love in the last hundred years is uh, running up a beach with a with a gun uh, and uh, poking some Nazis in the chest with a bayonet. But we're not very comfortable with that. No. We don't like that. But that's why those men did it. Because they loved their families and they loved they loved f- being free and they wanted to protect vulnerable people from this great evil that couldn't be stopped any other way. Yeah. And protecting their friends that were with them that they were fighting with. But we're really uncomfortable with that. Well, I am. <laughs> um, you can tell you come from a nicer place than me because I kind of, kind of make sense that yeah a place which didn't have as much violence I suppose or overt violence yeah I think that's probably true I think I think I think that um, like, um, I think when I worked in Cambridge it was as violent as when I worked in um, uh, when I lived in Aberdeer except nobody got punched in the face yeah, and I think it's just a bit slay. Yeah, if you see what I mean. And yeah. I think that's probably why you are more happy with the the violence and the stuff that we watch than I am, um, such as the fiery priest. Yeah, because although I want him to stand up against injustice, and I want him to, you know, I want him to own that as part of his faith. I don't know that I really want him to beat them up physically. But, but you can't negotiate with the mob, can you? No. Yeah, you know, if you've got mafia people who are corrupt, you've got to arrest them and put them in jail. 
And that's going to involve violence, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Is it, and that's that's the bit that I think that that really comes out in the fiery priest is that he fails in all the ways that we want priests to be, right? Like preaching, pastoral care, all these yeah. other things. But the part of priesthood that that we're most uncomfortable with, that standing up for the for the poor, that being resilient like that, that muscular priesthood, um, we're not really that bothered about it. But that's the bit he's good at. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I see what you mean. Because we've got a very feminized sort of society and feminized church now. It's all about being nice and kind and lovey and fluffy and all that. And I think, you know, we need to have both, don't we? I find it fascinating that you see the need to gender that. Um, Why do you say that? Well, I, I just look at it. It's just the way... I don't necessarily view these things as masculine or feminine traits, um, whereas you clearly do. Um, That's because I'm a biologist. Ah, that's that's because you go to the gym. Um, (laughs) Probably, actually, actually, I think you're probably right there. I think you're probably right there. Is is because we live in a world where uh, physicality is so removed from everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. Is we're not presented with physical differences between men and women very much at all right but in the gym you are day by day so you kind of it helps you remember that men and women are different which is kind of a reality that's just the way it is do you know what i mean that doesn't mean i know what you mean i think we need each other i think men and women are complementary we need each other so we need nurturing, caring, all that sort of stuff. But we also need... Uh... This is far too big a conversation to do justice. Yeah, it is. At the end of a podcast it where is, we're talking it is. about the fiery priest. It is. Um, and we'll have to tackle this at some point in the future because I think we might Dave's gonna think have about a it, very Dave. different opinion on it. All right, so maybe we'll think about that. In a, we'll find a way to bring out the Bible bus strip, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll have to have a think about that. Well yeah. there, but it'll fit somewhere. Yeah, I think it's just because I'm a biologist. <clears throat> Yeah. And and it, it's a science thing. Maybe. That's what it is. You know. Anyway, uh, but that's it, a bit, all it, right. an interesting aside, that. It was, um, yeah. So I think we should watch The Fiery Priest, because I think it's a fun programme. Well, I've watched I've it, watched one. That's all I'm watching. <laughs> um, we are moving on to Harlan Coben's Shelter. And then we've had a recommendation for the week after, which was... I sent it to you. What was it? Can't remember. Oh, um... The marvelous Mrs. Maisel on either Netflix or Prime. This on Netflix, I think. Yeah, another one. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll. Well, I haven't started watching that yet. But that is a recommendation, and we did invite people to recommend stuff, so we should. Yeah, we should, we should watch, watch that. their recommendation. So we'll watch we'll watch that. that one. That'll be good. And um, yeah, that'll be that'll be. We'll do that next time. And next time we'll be talking about. The exile, so what he was like under Ezekiel and uh, and um, Daniel and things like that, and I can talk about um, a really cool Iron Maiden song as well called "Writing on the Wall." Right, can okay. I talk about that? It's brilliant. I have to send you the video of Belshazzar's feast. It's from about two years ago, and um, there's a, there's um, a Iron Maiden video called Belshazzar's feast, which is based on that. 
Right, it's okay. It's really, it's amazing. It's really cool. I saw it live in July. I'm going to get really excited about that now. I can Sorry. tell. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, so we'll uh, see you next time on Those Vicar Blokes. Thank you.